Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Andrews, let's face it. Nobody chooses to play from the rough. And thanks to our great new friends at Manscaped, maybe our listeners might never have to again because the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and I can tell you with all confidence, it's been a game changer for me these past few weeks. The ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Let's go through the Performance Package. It includes the Weed Whacker, up the nose, in the ears, increasingly relevant for people like me as the, uh, the years start to pile on. Never used something like the Crop Preserver before but I'll never go back. A ball deodorant straight out of the shower, dry yourself off, whack a little bit of this on the undercarriage, last the full day. Outstanding. The Crop Reviver, it's more of a, maybe you need a midday refresh. You've gone for a, a run at lunchtime. You've had a gym session. Maybe you've just been hauling boxes in a bloody humid environment. A little bit of a spritz on the undercarriage, fresh as a daisy moving forward. And then finally, but most importantly, Drew's, the best piece of kit in this Performance Pack 4.0 it is the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Have a listen to this. Music to my ears. This bit of kit, my friend, will transform your situation below the waist from looking like the second cut of rough at the US Open to a neatly trimmed fairway. Now, even better, Manscaped have thrown in two free gifts to the performance package. They are, have a look at these, the Manscaped boxes, outstanding. For those of you who never have enough pairs, and of course, the shed travel bag. You can neatly tuck everything away and take it on the road with you. Now, you can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for our listeners. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code T. That's T-E-E. That's 20% off free shipping all over the world at manscaped.com. And use the code T T double E. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for this incredibly important job with Manscaped. Trust me, fellas, your balls will thank you. SureShot is driven by continuous innovation and dedicated to bringing golfers the very latest in technology and design. SureShot products are also designed to meet the challenge of measuring distances to the hazards and to the green from literally anywhere on the golf course. So you never again have to worry about finding those shitty wooden pegs the random drains on the ground with the yardage markers, anywhere, any place on the course, it's right in your hand. Drudes and I both carry the new SureShot Pinlock 6000 series laser rangefinders, featuring their fastest optics yet, enhanced battery life, an improved ergonomic case, and an internal magnet. The SureShot Pinlock 6000 series of laser rangefinders will help you know the distance and play the very best shot to get you on the green. Take the guessing right out of your game. Transform how you play and know the distance with SureShot. This is the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy back with you for arguably Drude's uh, the most special week in the golfing calendar. I've said to you previously, uh, I think we're, we're both uh, clearly on the record. You are an open championship man and I am uh, a master's man. I may be, may be softening uh, and I'll tell you why. It's not a blanket swap open for Masters. What I'll say is it's probably uh, every five years, and that's because on the rotor, obviously, we go back to St. Andrews every five years. And I think what it might be now, rankings-wise, is an open championship at St. Andrews, the Masters, and then the open championship every other four years. <laughs> Can you be that selective? That's well, I'm going to be. very much sitting on the fence. I'm going to be because the, I, I, I don't know about you. We are, we're recording Monday evening. So we're still, you know, three days out from, from the start of the tournament. Um, and just the content phenomenal, obviously guys finishing up at the, the Renaissance club, the Scottish open, which we'll get to in just a moment, of course, one was Andrew Schofle, but a, a bunch of guys, um, Tiger included, just kind of skipped over from Ireland from the JP McManus Pro-Am straight to, um, straight to St Andrews, and the video has been coming out in the last two or three days between Tiger walking the course with JT, and then you know people out walking it 
9.30, 10 o'clock on Sunday, putting as the sun's going down. It's just an incredibly special place. It is, and I think that's the uh, that this this is a very very special week. Obviously, one hundred and fiftieth Open Championship at St Andrews. It's all all lining up, and the the stars are aligning for something very special to happen on Sunday. But um, yeah, it's I agree with you. The content that's been put out is is fantastic, and it's it's a great great little swing that I love. Um, the sort of the Irish Open into the Scottish Open into the Open Championship is is really cool. So um, very here for it. You know what? It's a lot better then. Uh, videos of balls being dropped into five-inch rough a couple of days out from a, from <laughs> yeah, a this major. This is true. <laughs> I'll, I'll this take is this true. any day, to be honest Absolutely. with you, Drews. Now, we will obviously have – we are in a major week. So, as is tradition here at the 19th tee, we'll have a comprehensive uh, preview of the 150th Open Championship from St. Andrews, the old course, uh, later in the week. Uh, we are, as we always will, we'll give you our picks. Uh, we'll take a look at the conditions. And we are hoping – uh, to speak to our good friend uh, Jediah Morgan, uh, who's of course making his debut at the Open Championship, having topped the order of merit across the Australasian summer. So Jed should be joining us from the course. Fingers crossed, Struds, for our preview episode later in the week, which will be a lot of fun. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because there was some golf played over the weekend, namely the Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club. As I said, Xander Schauffele, uh, Drudster, his second win in a row. Some are saying three if you count the JP McManus Pro-Am um, at Adair Manor in Ireland, which he won as well. But of course, the Travellers Championship last up start the PGA Tour. And this is of course a PGA Tour event with strategic alliance between the DP World and the PGA Tour, the Scottish Open. Uh, he wins it well uh, on Sunday uh, with, with a field coming at him, but did the job, Xander, uh, mm. in, in pretty comfortable fashion. Yeah, he did. It was um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting sort of final few rounds to watch um particularly saturday sunday obviously things heating up but yeah xander i don't know hitting 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 form at the right time of the the year i guess for the open championship um look i don't think he wins it um i'll say that straight up but yeah there's no doubt he's he's the form player at the moment and uh yeah good to see his mate patrick cantlay just finishing a couple of shots behind as well good to see that they're just truly inseparable Good cart golf, those two. A fantastic <laughs> cart golf. Can I ask you a question? Um, and you're taking a sip of water. Very remiss of me at the top not to thank our great friends at Gage Roads Brewing Company. Oh, yes. uh, I got a little little sidetrack there, romanticising about the old course. Uh, I'm having a sidetrack thanks to uh, WA's premier craft brewery named after the strip of ocean between Rottnest and Fremantle. Big shout out to Gage Roads. Um, can I ask you a question off the top? Have we been, and by we, I probably mean primarily me, uh, over the lifespan of this podcast, too harsh on Xander uh, uh, You know, he's, he's, he's now, you know, I think he's at, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but I want to say he's kind of somewhere between five and seven PGA Tour victories. Seven. There you go. Uh, that's, that's, that's nothing to be sneezed at. Seven. I uh, shouldn't say sneeze in the current environment. Um, there's nothing to be laughed at. Seven PGA Tour victories puts him in, not necessarily rarefied air, but certainly separates him from a, a decent pack that are in that you know one to five range. And I suppose I don't feel as though we have, but the question could probably be asked, given his consistent performance week in, week out on the PGA Tour, have we been too harsh? Where does he, where does he sit really? And I mean, he's a, now he's a top five golfer in the world by rankings. Is he... A top five golfer by eyes. Yeah, it's 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 a really good question. I think um, has won every year since two thousand and seventeen professionally. Um, so so ticking along nicely and demonstrating a bit of longevity there. Obviously, the two wins, as you mentioned, the Scottish Open and the Travellers. So. He hasn't won small events either. I think that's probably Olympic important. gold medalist as well. Yeah, uh, yes. I, I was just going to run through his his wins there. So the Scottish Open um, by OWGR points one is his biggest event that he has won. He's won the HSBC Champion, so WGC. He's won the Tour Championship twice, twenty seventeen and twenty twenty. Century Tournament of Champions, Travelers, and of course the Olympics um, in Tokyo. It's. It is, it's a fascinating one to kind of break down. And I, I think your question is really good, but I feel like we probably haven't been too harsh on him. I feel like we've been relatively fair and, and maybe some of the, uh, 
golfing public and golfing media have been a little harsher. But I think my frustration with Xander is that he is a seven-time PGA Tour winner, um, and yet he hasn't converted that into a major. Um, and I think that's probably my frustration. And it's, yeah, I think the criticism is more out of frustration for him because he, he is a guy that I I like. Like, I hope, you know, I don't have anything against him. Um, mm. He's not the most interesting of players to watch, certainly. But, you know, he gets the job done. Um, he's got, you know, of course, a, a T2 at the 2019 Masters, a T2 at the 2018 Open Championship, um, a T3 at the Masters this uh, last year, sorry. So he's he certainly competed, and we've always said it's just that that final 1% to get him over the line. So, yeah, probably to answer your question, I don't, I don't think we have been. Is that sort of in line with where you're at? Yeah, I think my criticism, if he'd caught that, maybe my challenge to him has always been the muscle between the ears. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's evidenced by... You know, you just rattled off a series of top five finishes in majors uh, without necessarily converting. And, you know, you mentioned Patrick Cantlay there before. You'll remember, I think it was way back at the start of the year when we were kind of doing a little bit of a, you know, look forward to what we were hoping to see across the year. And I I said, Pat Cantlay making the jump because I was increasingly less interested in him winning week in, week out on the PGA Tour. And I want to see him start winning when it counts. Now... Undoubtedly, I think this is this is the best win of uh, Shawfly's career. I mean, the field was stacked. And not only was the field stacked, but the conditions asked questions that a lot of people didn't have answers for. Like there was mm-hmm. a lot of good players who missed the cut, a lot of good players significantly over par. Mm-hmm. And Xander, you know, did it pretty comfortably in the end. So really impressed, really impressed with what he put together across the four days. Don't think I leave any less uh, any less wanting of him to step up and do it when it counts. Not to yeah. say the Scottish Open doesn't. It's, you know, it's as I said, strength of field was high. It was a national open. But there's four tournaments for me um, that matter in the year and maybe a couple others. You know, you go to Riv, you go to Muirfield, go to Arnie's place. Outside of that, like, as I said, I'm not – I but don't get enthused it, by win, winning week in, week out on the tour. No, but even those three, like, that you've rattled off, sure, they're elevated events, but they're not majors. And I think that's no. for me is like that's great. You can win win ten or fifteen in total and have a handful of them be at Riv and whatever. But mm. ultimately, you know, we 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 remember players who win made win majors, and and that Sanders challenge now is that he's got to got to push on and convert one of those opportunities. So, and I think it's the age old question, right? Like, would you rather win thirteen tour titles and no majors, or five and two majors? I think it's it's a pretty simple answer. I think anyone who's half interested in the game would answer the, the latter, and I'm certain uh, that most tour players would would answer the latter. So mm. he's I, I mean, as I said, I, I don't think there's any question on his game. He's capable. He has the game. He is he is a he is a top five player in the world. I think both on eyes and on on rankings, no matter how how easily they are manipulated, but it remains the muscle between the ears and the ability yep. to convert when it matters. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't want to put my cards on the table, but I don't think you'll win. Um, no. that, that's St. Andrews. Agreed. Agreed. I'm with you. Anything else on Xander or just, just Smithy? Uh, not, well, not Xander. Sorry. Or from I, I mean, the Scottish Open. Sorry. Yeah. Smithy for me. I really, I mean, Spieth, I probably shouldn't. I probably should just skip on over Jordan when he put himself in a position to win. Was only one back, and then I think he was three over on the back nine, including two doubles, I believe, um, coming home on Sunday, um, which truly is the full Spieth experience, uh, and doesn't. I, I don't think gives me any sort of form line or read on how he could go um, at the Open because he'd just as likely win it as he will um, be you know, six or seven shots off the lead. So uh, that was fun, as it always is, to to get invested and then obviously be disappointed. And then, yeah, I thought Smithy, I, I think he was two under on Sunday, mm. um, which was one of the rounds of the day. Uh, yeah, he probably had a, a pretty inconsistent start to the tournament, but worked his way back into it and finishes not all that far off the pace um, and, and finishes, you know, Pardon the pun with the wind in his sail, because obviously it was pretty breezy there at the Renaissance Club. But that uh, that fills me with confidence heading into 
heading into St Andrews. So look, uh, those two uh, caught most of my attention outside of the winner on the weekend, and I think just the conditions. Obviously, um, a lot of criticism I thought came the way of the Renaissance Club. It was mm-hmm. marked improvement from playing at the Julieta State in the middle of Ireland the week before. At least yep. we got to the coastline. Um, shares a you know plot of land with Muirfield, um, does the Renaissance, and it's no Muirfield. But I you know I think as a stepping stone, it was just cool to see some you know links adjacent golf, um, and we saw the I think the full experience you know um, from guys not judging wind, not judging lie, um, not judging firmness through to a. I think I saw Ricky hit a 430-yard drive downwind and, you know, mm, run along the fairway. Yes. So we, we got the full got the full experience and uh, it just kind of wet the appetite for what, um, you know, St. Andrews will be that on steroids this week, which will be awesome. Yeah. Only one for me or a couple for me was uh, Tommy Fleetwood finishing T4 alongside Patrick mm. Cantlay. Kind of came home pretty strongly given the conditions, as you mentioned, uh, finished with 67-67. Uh, and then the other one that, um, so obviously the conditions were much more friendly earlier in the week. And we saw guys like Ricky Fowler who went 69, 69, and then fell off a cliff to uh, finish in T47 alongside my man, Adri uh, Naus, who was thereabouts for a little moment, but John mm. Rahm, John Rahm, I just wanted to, to call out here, 68, 72, 74, 71 to finish at five over. So uh, not, not John Rahm's best. Goal finishes alongside uh, your mate How Tong Lee, and um, yeah, I just yeah, not not sold on John Rahm at the moment. I know this isn't this actually isn't the best. Um, I mean, if we're talking form lines, this isn't actually the best form line for a for an Open Championship. So, mm. uh, in, in terms of if you win, you you generally go on and do well. That's not necessarily the case. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not panic stations yet for John Rahm, but. Um, yeah, must must say it was a little little concerning to see the uh, the horse fall out of him. Yeah, I think uh, you make a good point in the sense that St Andrews is truly unlike any other place in the world. Um, so it's difficult to, to take a yeah. take a performance um, and transplant it to the old course. However, I think you want to see people trending in the right direction, um, which is kind of what I was flagging there with Smithy. Uh, certainly don't. Not not going to look at him play at the Renaissance and say, well, he's going to fly home on Sunday at the old course. But I know he's heading in the right direction, you know, on his path there. And I tend to agree with Jon. Uh, <laughs> not the best of form at the moment. No. And I think a player, uh, he has to get off to a really good start. Like, it, it, I think he has to be at or under par through Thursday, pending the way that he goes in and pending the conditions. Because if he's, you know, three or four over... Uh, his temperament, I'm not sure it will handle four days of, um, you know, being taught a lesson uh, around the old course in the conditions. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. Interesting Mm. one. He's a little bit more uh, Nick Kyrgios, say, than he is uh, Rafa Nadal. Yeah. (laughs) He's countryman. (laughs) That's fair. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Mm. All righty. What else have you got from Scotland? Anything... Anything else? Just, just wanted to, because I know we're going to obviously um, talk a bit in depth about uh, recent announcements, um, you know, in the world of golf, probably pertaining to live and, you know, the changes to the PGA Tour and probably how more specifically and more importantly, how they'll translate to the, uh, the tour here in Australia. So we are going to pick that apart in a moment. Uh, I just wanted to raise it here because I didn't particularly want to raise it in the preview episode mm-hmm. later in the week. Uh, the decision of the RNA to essentially black ban Greg Norman mm-hmm. from the event this week, uh, two-time winner of the Open Championship. Obviously, um, not not the same as um, the Champions Dinner at Augusta, but they do have a past Champions event every year at the Open Championship. A uh, couple of couple of clips around of Tiger talking to Lee Trevino today about it. A couple of clips around about Tiger Clip and JT about not playing yes, in it. I was going to say, which was very good. I love that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, take a look. It's on uh, the Open Championships YouTube channel. They followed Justin Thomas around for uh, one of his practice rounds. And Tiger, couple little good little barbs in there. <laughs> JT, very good. There are bigger bromance on tour than JT and Tiger. No, uh, no, <laughs> I don't think there is. I think. Uh, obviously, I, I I get the sense that there may not be a person more prominent from in terms of his fellow players 
or even maybe from a golf perspective, certainly obviously his family, but maybe from a golf perspective, no person more prominent than JT for Tiger since his accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. Proximity where they live in Florida, spent a lot of time with him. Obviously, I think is a little bit of a mentor to Charlie. Um, yeah, I think there's a depth of a relationship there that most people probably, we certainly aren't aware of. Um, yep. But it's nice. It, I think it's I think it's really nice to see. It's obviously a guy that he grew up idolizing, um, and they share a. He doesn't let many people in. I think that's clear. I think you know you see John yeah, Rahm. I can't remember yes. what tournament it was, but I think it might have been the US Open. Yeah. It was. Um, where, where he said he gets nothing from Tiger compared to yeah. JT. Yeah. So it's nice to see, uh, but it doesn't um, preclude him. And this is what I love about Tiger. I love, like, he does it better than anyone else that from the moment he steps on to the property. Now, he's not, he's not today where he will be on Thursday, but he certainly isn't where he was last week when he was walking around playing Bally Bunyan with Rory. From the moment yeah. he steps on the property, everything just starts to turn up a notch. Intensity, focus, pressure. And he did it with a smile on his face today. But when he said to JT, oh, I'll see you tomorrow at the past Champions event. And then a moment later said, oh, no, I forgot you've never won this. Yeah. Like that, that, that's, that's a joke, but it's incredibly calculated. You know, and but, he does that so well, so much better than anyone else. But that's also where he's at in his career. Like 10 years Absolutely. ago, more than 10 years ago, when he was at the peak of his powers, you would never see Tiger do that. It's my, and, um, you know, I've got some very fond memories of, of watching Tiger play and, and some of his victories, but one of, if not my most, my favorite memory of Tiger is that clip of him with Kevin Nah, where Kevin Nah puts the ball in the hole and, you know, obviously walks it in and basically picks it up before it's hit the bottom of the cup. And Tiger hits a three-footer and, like, goes to, like, run and, and grab it. And they <laughs> and they just high-five and they laugh. It was in the middle of a tournament. And it's just yeah. the smile on his face. It, just, it's, it makes me very happy, that video, if you haven't seen it. But anyway, we're going way off track. Uh, your thoughts on um, Greg Norman not, not being invited to the, to the dinner, please? Yeah, it's weird because um, I'm very cognizant of all the things I've said about Greg, um, up until this point, since yep. his involvement with the Live Golf Tour, yep. I thought it was pretty average. Agreed. To be honest. We, we hadn't discussed this prior to hitting the button, and I wasn't sure where you were going to land on this. No, no. And that's I like it when we do that. We don't often yeah. do that, but sometimes no. we do leave it a mystery. Uh, yeah. It's just our little bit of fun. Um, <laughs> look, I think, I think, both things can be true. I think it can be true that it would have been unavoidable that it would have turned into a bit of a circus. I don't think there's any way that he turns up there and it doesn't turn into a bit of a circus. But I think it's also true that maybe for the, like what I don't like about it is the fact that the RNA are kind of falling back on tradition. And this is a special and important year for the championship and your attendance here would draw the attention away from that. Well, maybe in, this, in, in the name of tradition, you open the door to a two-time champion of your tournament, irrespective of, you know, environmental factors, irrespective of politics, irrespective of what's happening, and you allow him to enjoy the festivities as the other fellow champions will. I've got no doubt that he probably turns up and, is standing on his own because I don't know that many people would walk over to him and start having a conversation with him. But yeah, I don't think you exclude him from the event. No, I, I agree. I 100% agree with you. Um, look, I think we both share very similar thoughts on Greg and what, what he's done in the past sort of 12 to 18 months, particularly with Liv. Um, I, I still um, have the belief and look this we don't know the guy right like i i genuinely think that if he got invited to that he probably i would like to believe that he would be a big enough guy to not turn it into a circus mm. like i would like to think that he wouldn't be there in a fucking live hat right or or something you know mm. something that's promoting the live brand or, or whatever it was um there's no doubt that he'd get questions, but I also agree with you that I don't think people would really engage with him because he, he is so alienated. Um, mm. and, um, yeah, it's a difficult one because there are so many guys within that room that will be there on whatever night it is who have extraordinary 
character flaws, who have said abhorrent and done abhorrent things in their life. Um, you know, from from Gary Player's thoughts on apartheid to you know Tiger Woods's relationships. Like mm. you can you can make a case for 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 everyone, right? Um, so I think if we start uh, looking at individual flaws, we're we're going down a very slippery path, right? So yeah, and and let me clarify when I said turn into a circus. I think that's more to do with the attention that'll draw from a media perspective if he mm-hmm. actually rocks up and is on the grounds. Like I agree, I I think he has enough respect for the game that he respects the tradition. I also believe that cannot cannot understate how much of this is driven by personal agenda he has against the PGA tour. Yeah. 100%. So, like it's, it's, I mean, to a lesser extent, the RNA, cause the RNA have now fallen. Well, they hadn't really made a statement on live up until this point now they're banning have. Greg, but um, it's less about the RNA. It is about a personal agenda against the PGA tour. So I think he turns up there and is completely respectful of the, of the occasion and the platform mm. where, I, where I kind of fall on it is, I think, you know, from ever since, we did our deep dive, two-part deep dive on Augusta National as a golf club. If you haven't listened to it, um, take the time. I, I still uh, believe it's it's amongst our two best episodes we've ever done. Mm. I have, from the moment of taking a little bit of time to read into that place, like I have a, a, an, an ultimate reverence and respect for that tournament. And I love it. As I kind of said that at the start. But since reading about that place, like there's some bad, bad dudes. Um, mm. that, that that laid the foundations of that club and probably for a long time since I've maybe held the RNA up as you know well I mean at least we've got the RNA we've always got the RNA to fall back on and like if if Augusta are happy every year to welcome back some of the um, characters to your point to attend their past champions dinner and throw a green jacket on them and parade them around and the RNA have got an issue with Greg like it's it's it seems a very odd line to draw to say actually no this is a bridge too far like yeah. this is what we determine to be amoral enough that we're going to tell you not to come mm. as opposed to some of the others in the room as you say so look for mine um, couldn't couldn't uh, agree less with Greg at the moment on his thoughts on the game and where it needs to go and what he's doing uh, to it regardless I, I think it's a misstep from the RNA to to shut the door in his face. Agreed. 100% agree. Has there ever been a better hire in terms of job fit and job description than Greg Norman heading up, heading up Live Golf? No. He is just the ultimate ultimate fit, isn't he? You know, we've we've both done interviews before and you go, "Yeah, what do you, what do you think about, you know, uh, you know, can they do the job? Yeah, cultural fit? Yeah." <laughs> This is bloody. It's a true. The big, this is through the big sticks. This one is. It's <laughs> a true fit hire. That's what yeah, it is. Is a absolutely. fit hire. Oh, yeah, it's, he's living out a thirty-year dream um, yeah. that started in the early nineties when he, you know, tried yeah. to get what is what has become the WGCs off the ground. So, yeah, he's, it's perfect. It's it's poetry really in motion. It is. It is. Uh, speaking right. of, let's let's kind of transition. We flagged it. I mean, we flagged it as late as uh, as early as last week, I should say, and said it again at the top. Like, obviously, there's been a lot, and we kind of picked apart a little bit last week about um, things have moved significantly in the past probably three or four weeks to the point at which it's forced the hand of the PGA Tour to make some announcements around, you know, further elevated events, taking events overseas, freeing up some more cards, you know, from a corn ferry perspective. Um, obviously, um, as with all things, a bit of trickle-down economics. There are trickle-down effects, truths, because the ripple effects felt at PGA Tour level um, invariably have an effect across the world uh, because most people, if not all in golf, up until the introduction of the astronomical money offered by the Live Golf Tour, their path is to the PGA Tour. That's where they want to play. So when you make an announcement of that nature, it has a flow-on effect. And obviously, we are most interested about the effect it has on our players here locally in Australia. So I don't know if I've laid enough of a no, scene setter there for you to yeah. you to pick no, it that up. Was, and that, that was excellent. Well take done. Take us on the journey. Yeah, I will. Uh, no, no, that was very good. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, and, and look, I think it's also very much important to note that these um, uh, have have been in the workings for, for a long 
period of time. They have spoken about uh, prize purses increasing for a while, and there's obviously stuff that has to happen behind the scenes. It's not an overnight decision. Um, but I don't think we can understate that Liv has really forced their hand. <laughs> Liv's gone all in and, and they've asked for a decision. Um, so essentially uh, the the key changes to the PGA Tour. Um, now we've given this a, a little bit of time since the announcement was made, I believe uh, sort of late June. Um, and we've also posed some questions to the PGA um of Australia as well. And, and they've sent us a statement back, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute, but the key changes. Um, so firstly, the PGA tour will return to a calendar schedule in 2024. Uh, there will be eight tournaments with uh, significantly enhanced prize purses. They are the century tournament of champions, which almost doubles the, the Genesis. Uh, so century tournament champions, 15 million. Bearing in mind, fifteen million was the most, uh, was the highest prize, or was the highest purse in golf history up until the uh, the players the players championship this this year. Important context as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm almost certain the Century Tournament champions is capped at thirty players. It is correct. Yeah. That is correct. So yep. 30, thirty players are playing for fifteen million dollars. Correct. Uh, up from eight point two, the Genesis up to twenty million. Uh, the Arnold Palmer, the API, up to twenty million. The Players Championship, uh, up to twenty-five million. My apologies, it was at twenty million this year. Uh, the the match play, the WGC match play, unbelievably twenty That's million. Good. That's good. Uh, the Memorial, twenty million. FedEx St Jude Championship, which is now part of the FedEx Cup playoff, uh, twenty million, and the BMW Championship, twenty million. So that's the, the prize purses. Uh, there are revised field sizes for the FedEx Cup playoffs, which probably out of all the things here, we're, we're not going to touch on that much because it's not particularly interesting. Uh, and a the most important thing uh, from our perspective is a reimagined fall, including up to three no-cut limited field international events. Now, um, mm. Of, of those three, uh, one will be in uh, Asia slash Oceania on a rotating basis. So uh, the, the tour has said that. So that's the key changes. There are also uh, an additional number of corn ferry cars available. Um, so for, for our Australian guys who go over, they have a greater chance of going through corn ferry queue school and, and uh, getting uh, more cards on the, on the PGA tour. So that's the key changes. Do you want to... You want to pick it up from there? Really briefly, I've th- I've three thoughts. Yep, three immediate Please. thoughts that come to Hit mind. Me. Hit me. How long have you been in a position to do this? Correct. Because million dollar question. I cannot imagine. I truly cannot fathom a situation in which decision makers at Pontevedra PJ Tour headquarters have gotten a room in the last three weeks and pulled the trigger on these things. There's, there is. No circumstance under which that could possibly be true because things of this nature do not move that quickly. So how long have you been in a position to do this? Question number two, why has it taken until now to do this? Now, let me be really clear. I think the narrative that's come out of some of the players, Kepka, DeChambeau, Reid most recently, the narrative that's come out of those players is a, like is atrocious. It's utter bullshit in terms of we're forced to play. They don't listen to us. This is our tour, and they've taken it out of our control. Like I thought, Billy Horschel. If you haven't seen the clip of Billy Horschel um, in Scotland, he spoke excellently well, like exceptionally well in this for about four minutes. He got asked a question about it, and he kind of it felt like he he'd been waiting for someone to ask him the question, and and he he kind of went into a little bit of a diatribe, and he he said it so incredibly well. Um, so I, I, I want to be really clear. I, I can't stand that narrative. But by the same token, if you're able to do this seemingly in response to what you underestimated the first wave being from a live tour perspective, how long have you actually been able to do it for and why have you waited until now? Agreed. And then the question number three, which I think may be the, the most important, because the first two are redundant. But you'll never get an answer to them, and they're not important anymore because you can't put the toothpaste back of the tube. Yeah. The third question is the most important: How much further can you go? Yeah. 
because yeah. I yeah. I think we've barely scratched the surface for the Saudis. I truly do. Like money is not an issue. And my concern is from the outside, these are good moves from the PGA Tour. There's no doubt about that. But they do very much have the feeling of putting a Band-Aid over an axe wound. And my greater concern is they don't have much more they can do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Good, good questions. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't expect you to have an answer. I, I just no, think it's fascinating questions because if there are not many arrows left in the quiver, I've got some major concerns. Well, I think the the biggest one would be a complete overhaul of the the tour's schedule, essentially, mm. right? Like that's the the own the biggest trigger and the biggest um, message and rhetoric that's come out from players who have gone to live is, oh well, I get to spend more time with my family because I'm only playing eight slash fourteen events this year. Yep. Um, so until that's that's the PGA's biggest, that's the ace up their sleeve right now. If they can turn it into a three, four, five month thing for this mm. prize money, then all of a sudden maybe they are back in, back on the table. Mm. Um, but with with less events, becomes less media rights, becomes less money, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. The the business behind it doesn't necessarily work. So um, yeah, fasc- fascinating one to to keep an eye on over the next few months i don't think they're going to make any sort of big rational decisions decisions rather around the schedule anytime soon what i would say is that i think there is this this is coming out on the 12th of july uh what i would say is that there are going to be some big news pieces to drop post the open championship and and now we've been we've been Told that on relatively good authority that there is going to be some uh, some good news and some um, some big news coming out in the world of golf in the next couple of weeks anyway. Um, and also, I think there's going to be a number of people who are going to jump ship to live in the next couple of weeks. This is the last major of the year. Um, there's no more ramifications that ultimately really matter because um, the, the FedEx Cup prize is the same as one live tournament, right? So... Uh, I think there's going to be some big names to to potentially move over, um, but yes, in more positive news, I think there is going to be some good news to to be um, to be and that, That'll be fascinating because I kind of feel like that'll be happening at the same time, be like a good old fashioned Western shootout. Because you'll have announcements coming out, and you'll have players moving, and the announcements may be contingent on players being there to play them. So well, that, that well, that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, well, because during Monaghan's announcement, Brooks, they announced Brooks yes. within three minutes. Yeah. Correct. And I think that's, so you look at it and you'll get, we kind of flagged this last week and, you know, you've, you flagged it again. You will get a wave of players leave after the Open Championship. Um, that to me, that will make bigger headlines, but I don't necessarily know that it'll be as important as the players who opt to leave after the FedEx Cup. Because the players who leave after the Open Championship will be the ones to whom the FedEx Cup money is irrelevant because they're getting that covered in the money they're getting paid to leave. Yep. So obviously lots of lots of rumours around Hideki mm-hmm. at the moment. That's That seems like a really strong piece of mail. Um, and that's a, that, that's a huge, huge get for them if they do because that you, you can't underestimate the what that unlocks for them through the Asian market. Um, Hideki doesn't care about the FedEx Cup because they'll pay him probably more than he'd earn at the FedEx Cup. I'm interested in seeing who who the ones, because it's that next tier down, which is what we've always spoken about. It's that next tier down who'll wait around for the FedEx Cup payoff and then they'll jump. You get a significant number of them. It changes the conversation entirely. Well, moving to 14 events next year, um, almost certainly one mm. here in Australia. Almost certainly, um, there will be one one here in Australia, and that will uh, coincide with a, an Australian announcement. Now, my best guess is that it's going to be Adam Scott. Um, obviously, has been heavily linked, um, and that's just that's just guess. Um, I've got no no mail on that. Um, but the other one, I would suggest that they they should and and probably will target also is Leash. I think that he, you know, they're both Scotty and Leash are getting towards the the back end of their careers now. Mm. Um, I think uh, Cam Smith will obviously get a lot of 
um, a lot of big offers to, to go over to live. But I think, I don't know, I've, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm holding out, maybe tell me to take my rose-colored glasses off you, KM, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't see him going. Um, so I think it's, it's Scotty or Leash or both uh, mm. that will, will go to live and will uh, really kickstart things here in Australia, which is going to be, um, it's going to be really critical. I think uh, obviously the, the PGA tour moving to this full season, uh, sorry, calendar season in 2024. So we've still got all of next year to go. Now um, the, the challenge for the Aussie PGA tour is how do they sort of stave off the live invasion for 12 mm. months, right? So if they're going to bring it to if they're going to bring an event here next year, we've obviously got our, uh, our season headlined by the Aussie PGA and of course the, the Aussie open as well. So hopefully mm. we get half competitive fields for that. Who knows what, what the world's going to look like. Mm. So I think that the challenge bringing it, bringing it back home to an Australian point of view is how does our tour stave it off for 12 months so that in 2024, we can get an event here in Australia, which is going to be so critical, mm. so critical for. And I get the, the sense, golfing. I mean, I know you've got the the statement there that when we put some questions to the PGA, they gave us. And we'll get to that at the moment. But I mean, obviously, you get the sense at least at least early days they'll stick fat to the to the establishment. Um, but I also don't necessarily know that that's important because I mean, I, I'm making some assumptions here. I don't want to speak out of school, but you look at um, you know, for instance, the Live Invitational in Portland at Pumpkin Ridge, like. They just approached the club and they said, Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you want to, do you want to host this? So like there could be an event here in um, Australia that is completely at arm's length from the governing body because it had, it physically has had nothing to do with them at all. They've just, uh, and it will have just lobbed here and, yes. and they're playing an event. So it and will be. And, and look, you know, I did, did speak to the tour today and, and, they said that they said that they, you know, they don't have to ask us for permission. They can, mm. they can do it. They're not associated with anyone. They're obviously not going to get any sort of funding or, or sponsorship or anything like that, but they don't need it. Yeah, um, okay. They, they are, <laughs> their, their revenue line is okay. Um, we just buy a golf club and then play. Well, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I think what that does, what that does show and, and the strategy that Liv has taken so far is to go to, corners of uh the world particularly in the u.s that are neglected by the pga tour right so they've gone to the pacific Absolutely. northwest they've gone to portland the next events in austin i think i think there's there might be a pga tour event up there but they've gone to strategically smart locations right to engage people who like golf that don't get to see a pga tour event because we have five events in florida every year so when it does come to australia it'll be fascinating to see where it where it lands um, because they've engaged the um, they've engaged the the it's kind of like the the Trump strategy for the 2016 they election. They've engaged middle golf America, who've Absolutely. been ignored and and have become disenfranchised with uh, with the establishment. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's who that's who they've captured the attention that's of. Quite smart. Mm. Oh, quite uh, smart. Very, very, and I think. I mean, I, I don't read too much into this, but you, you look at a lot of the golf riders who've gone to um, gone to cover these live events, most out of curiosity more than anything else. And I have found it interesting. One of the kind of core themes in the reporting has been these journalists walking around the grounds asking people if they care about yeah. the genesis of the, the funds and the money. And it seems an odd question to ask someone who's paid to go because um, clearly they don't. But that like, they keep saying, oh, no one seems to care. Well, yeah, I mean, they've just had a, you know, in their eyes, a bunch of fairly handy golfers turn up and play a tournament in their backyard, which they haven't seen in God knows how long. So I'm not surprised that they don't care. I'm not surprised they're excited. I don't know. You can judge it at a macro level as a result of that. But it's, think, it's, it's very smart. But I think that's the danger for the, the homegrown tour the Aussie mm. tour here. And mm. I think it's also the danger for the PGA tour in markets like ours, right? It's, it doesn't have a huge, a strong foothold here. Even our tour. I mean, if we're, if we're honest in terms of the sporting landscape, I mean, the PGA tour of Australasia is not banging the door down for a podium 
place. It's not taking on the AFL, right? As much as we would love it to be that way, it's it's simply not. So I think the danger is that Liv gets in first and starts to build um, uh, a significant following here in Australia. And then we're kind of another step behind that we've got mm. to, not only do we need to battle other sports for airtime, we're, we're, we're battling an internal threat as well, right? So I think that's that's going to be a really critical challenge for um, the, the PGA Tour of Australasia um, as well. And you'd have to think again. I don't want to jump the shark. You'd have to think probably somewhere in New South Wales. Um, well, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, like Queensland, Southeast Queensland in particular, has had almost a mortgage on the PGA Championship for a decade, and seemingly will have that continue at Royal Queensland. Um, mm. Almost anything else that comes to Australia or is played here is played in Victoria. Um, so you'd have to think not just because of the options. But also because of the market in in Sydney, in particular, you got a, you got a number of courses there that could handle a tournament that requires broadcast bump in, because um, that's another consideration. So you, yeah, I I'd, I'd I'd have to think it'll be somewhere in Sydney. Yeah, I, well, I one hundred percent agree. The um, and, and maybe I'm sort of romanticising here. The um. Given given what they're trying to do strategically in terms of that Asian region, mm. the business case for Perth makes a lot of sense. We're in the most populous time zone in the world in mm. terms of uh, Beijing is obviously lands in our time zone. Um, so there, there is a, a very strong business case to, to bring it to Perth. The caliber of courses absolutely lets it down. Lake Karen mm. could could do it. But the other point that we need to consider as well is do these members want want the want to want an event coming um obviously you know any event takes a lot of time out of the schedule do they want to be involved in live golf yeah there's there's a lot to unpack there and i think that's that's critical i mean i think you look at the courses i've chosen in america a lot of them are trump courses a lot of them are courses where the demographics probably more open to having a tournament um not just play but a tournament of that nature um played so yeah it's definitely consideration i think you know the precarious position that a lot of golf clubs find themselves here in Australia money talks ultimately um, absolutely it does. and there'll be deep pockets that'll be coming with offers to play t- hey, it's only 54 holes I don't know, yeah. for three days it's fine True. don't worry about True. it <laughs> uh, so we did put some questions to uh, to the tour um, and essentially they were around you know have we had commas have they had conversations with the tour to bring the PGA tour to bring one of the new events to Australia, how advanced are they? Why have they not happened if they haven't happened? Um, you know, how's the, the obviously the wraparound tour has been something that has, um, you know, been, been mentioned to us around impacting the homegrown tour as to why it's kind of declined. Um, have they had discussions with Liv? Um, some of them were, were sort of not answered, particularly in the, in the statement, which I will add as well was uh, word for word also given to another news media outlet um, in the, I think it was the Sydney, Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was, KM. That I yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably broadly across the Fairfax network. Yes. Yeah. So that, that is, yep. All right. Anyway, push on from. Hey, we're not a news that. media outlet. We're no. a humble podcast. So. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, uh, what I might do, Cam, is I'll just read the uh, yes the statement, and if you've got anything to add, uh, then then go for it. But um, it, it is sort of wide ranging. So this is from uh, it can be attributed to Gavin, Gavin Kirkman, who's the CEO of the PGA of Australia uh, over in Scotland for the Open at the moment. Uh, the PGA of Australia is fully supportive of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour as they continue to bring the global golf ecosystem together. We're in regular contact with both of the tours and following conversations as recent as overnight. We are excited about the future our working relationship with both tours is stronger than ever as we continue to seek the best outcomes for our players fans and the sport in our region specifically the opportunities presented by a move to the calendar year schedule for the pga tour should pave the way for our australian stars to return home for our major event and importantly we have been actively talking to the tours about bringing events to australia the isps handa pga tour of australia is focused on its strategic alliance with the dp world tour which is providing unprecedented pathways for our players to progress on that tour along with the Corn Ferry via the PGA Tour. We want to provide the best possible opportunities for all Australian touring professionals, and we're confident that working closely with the DP World Tour and PGA Tour will help us achieve that. Golf is still booming in Australia, and we're excited 
for our fans about the upcoming summer of golf on the PGA Tour of Australasia and the WA PGA Tour of Australasia. It's fantastic for our summer of golf that our two Aussie major tournaments, the PGA Championship and the Aussie Open, are both co-sanctioned by the DP World Tour and will kick off their 2022-2023 season. Our season is still some months away from starting, but we can't wait to welcome back our Australian stars to feature in our two marquee events in November and December. What do you make of all, all that? I mean, it, it certainly, um, you know, paints paints a really good picture. And look, you know, on face value, I take it that I'm, um, you know, we can only believe what what they've sent to us and and what they've told us. I mean, it, it sounds like they're very obvi- obviously they're very closely aligned to to the other tours in in turning their mm. back on live golf. But um, it sounds like it's moving in the right direction for some sort of significant event to happen down here in, in, in Australia anyway. Agree. Uh, and yeah, I'm not surprised at all with the, the strength of the statement in the sense of sticking loyal to the, the PGA and the, and the DP world tour, particularly, I mean, obviously they flagged it there at the end, but you know, a series of really, really exciting announcements across our summer about the strength and relationship particularly with the DP World Tour as they flag there, the, the events being co-sanctioned. Their two, you know, blue chip events being co-sanctioned DP World Tour is really important. Uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, early doors, you, you, you dance with the one who brought you, right? Um, so that's, that's, that's what you do. Uh, what I would say is I, I absolutely give them, you know, because we've been very firm on our thoughts on, Live golf, so absolutely give them the credit they're owed and deserve for not engaging in conversations. I'm not necessarily sure that's because <laughs> they've been asked and refused, or if they just haven't heard from them at all because they don't need to. Um, yeah, I think you it's know, that. they're not picking the phone up and having chats to the PGA Tour or the USGA. They're just going to clubs and organising yeah. tournaments, as we said. So, um, yeah, I think it's a little it's a little cute to say we haven't engaged, or we, you know, well, not that they said that, but like if, if that's the line of um, if that's the narrative, I'm not sure if that's because they've had an opportunity to refuse. Um, what I will say is this, what I find interesting because uh, obviously the PGA Tour have been very strong on the players who make a decision to leave and play on the live. Mm-hmm. Similarly with DP World Tour. Now, obviously, um, that ended up in court with players seeking an injunction to play in the Scottish Open, who were ultimately successful. And then Ian Poulter went on to hit that over. So that was a good use of his time. So that that's interesting for me is how that plays out because mm. it's been clear on the PGA Tour. To date, there's been no legal challenge. It's been muddied somewhat in the DP World Tour because they banned them, but then those banned players successfully sought an injunction to play at the Scottish Open. So fair bit unresolved there about how yep. the application of a ban works in the DP World Tour. What I'm curious to know is between now and December when the home tour and the home summer kicks off, if we see players, Australian players, jump, you know, let's hypothesize. You you mooted two names earlier, Scott Mm. Leishman. Mm. If they jump, Mm. are they welcome to come home and play? We've had the defending Australian PJ champion, play in the first two live golf tournaments mm. is he welcome to come back and defend his crown because he's engaged in this tour well that's that's, it's a, that's great, a question that's unanswered question. for me at the moment because absolutely you know you've said and i applaud you for saying that you remain loyal to the enduring and strategic and promising relationship you have with both tours both of those tours have made their stance very clear about players who join live or play on live playing in their tournaments so I wonder, because the theme of that statement is very much, as it should be, we are buoyed and encouraged by these announcements, particularly the opportunities that it provides for the players now to come back and play. And that, that should be the headline, because it does. I'm curious, will the same rules apply? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if, and if they don't, what sort of pressure does that put on the strategic alliance relationship with the... DP World Tour. Yeah, well, I I wonder. And the PGA. I wonder what, um, you know, I wonder wonder if it would register or I wonder maybe it it does make people 
over in um, Florida sit up and go, hang on a second, why, why are they playing? It's probably not even – I shouldn't limit it to Australian players. Yeah. We've definitely. had a history of, you know, someone like Haravana has won. Abe Answer. Abe Answer has won. Um, so does that mean like those players – I mean, Abe has gone. Um, Harold mm. is rumoured to be amongst the next wave. Are, are those players not welcome to play in our tournaments now? I think that's for me, that's probably the current top of the list of unanswered questions for me. And let me be really clear. I'm absolutely conscious that that is because that, that well, that may be because there isn't an answer yet. And that's perfectly fine because we are so, so, so early in this. Like people have no idea what's coming. And I, I'm cognizant that if I was in the position of the PGA, I certainly maybe wouldn't be make, want to be making some hard and fast decisions right now with the available information mm. before maybe you give it a little bit more time after the majors are finished, after the FedEx Cup's finished, because we still have months then until our season starts here in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Take the time to make a decision. But that, that's definitely a question that I have now is, is the door open to those players, given mm. it's not on the PGA or DP World Tour? It's, it's a great question. One that hopefully we can, we'll get some answers to uh, sooner rather than later. But as you mentioned, obviously things do take time and, and there is a bit going on. Um, yeah. And I, it, I just, I, I want to, sorry to interrupt you, but I want to be, I want to kind of maybe underline that point. Um, this is complex. Mm. Like this is, this is quite an intricate web at the moment that um you know people are tiptoeing a line and i completely understand that and that's not to say what was happening you know last summer the year before wasn't complex with covid we're very critical of the establishment the governing body then and mm-hmm. i've said it before i'll say it again i don't don't regret anything we said but i'm like i'm more than comfortable for them to take the time they require to make the right decision for our tour here in Australia. Because I think that's important as well. Everything has to be taken into consideration, but ultimately the decision has to be in the best interests of this tour in Australia and nothing else. Yeah, that's well put. And they do find themselves in in that really precarious position that they, you know, they do have a strategic alliance to the DP World Tour and, and of course, you know, loosely with the PGA Tour as well. But also, you know, we, we need to be welcoming back our our players. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be, be very fascinating to watch. In terms of the event that they bring down, um, look, I think it's a, it's a really good thing for the Australian golf ecosystem. I have seen some commentary online of uh, current players on the PGA Tour of Australasia sort of saying, well, hey, what about us? Um, and, and I understand that point. I just think that, you know, we, we do need a big, almost a flagship event. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be, if, if we can bring a PGA tour event down with the top 70 players or in the world or whatever it's going to be, then it's going to be enormous, right? It's um, it's going to be far greater than what the Aussie PGA and the Aussie open can do for the game here. And as much as that pains me to say it, but mm. um, yeah, I think uh, it will be, it will be fantastic. So hopefully that comes to fruition and and hopefully there's something sort of announced semi soon that we can uh, start to get excited about. And I would say um, with the greatest amount of respect, play your way into it. Yeah. If you have an opportunity, as you just said, it'll be probably be a standard 120 player field. Mm. I don't think we'll get more than 60, 70 commitments. So you'd have to think that maybe half, a little under half of the field will be filled with the opportunity of players from here in Australia and probably around the world as well mm. to, to fill those spots. So play your way in because this, this will be, as you just said, this, this is, this will take us, if we get an event of this nature and I, I like, I'm also, I'm realistic. We're going to be pushing shit uphill. You, you, you were very clear in the, Asia slash Oceania region on rotation. Yeah. Correct. So like you'd have to think the temptation to send it to Japan or Korea first China. would be enormous comparatively to sending it to Australia. But if we are lucky enough to get the first one, it will be it will send us back to the Halcyon days, Drews, because they will use this 
as a flagship tournament to show that they're growing the game. They're doing all the things that the Saudis think they're doing and they're doing it the right way. So they will turn this into a flagship tournament and it will, to your point, dwarf a PGA or an Australian Open. So you can't, yeah. I empathize as we do and have for the best part of three years with our players here. They are our primary interest. But you, you can't ask for a tournament with all those opportunities and money and not think that half the field is going to be filled. Well, and also the the flow-on benefits of having a PGA Tour event here Absolutely. in terms of the um, the interest that it will generate in our tour, which ultimately leads to greater commercial revenue, is is a is a great outcome for uh, our local tour. Um, trickle down well. economics. Yeah, it is trickle down economics. It's influence the marketing, get the influencer in, build it up. Um, but just very quickly before we wrap up, um, I must mention that they <clears throat> that I I think what did you say? 70 players or something will be, will be eligible for this three, three, uh, no cut event thing that they're going to roll out. Um, yeah. I, I, I also wouldn't hold my breath that we're going to get the world's best down here every year. <laughs> like, no. and, and that's, that's okay. Um, mm. But you know, if, if we can end up with 35 out of the top 70, I think that is, that is quite significant. Huge. So um yeah, it, it, it puts, um, I think it all of a sudden takes away the excuses from the likes of Jason Day, for example, um, given that, hey, the season ends, well, maybe not for him because he's outside the 125, but that the season will end and then we've got these three no-cut events. So you've now got time off to, to come down to Australia to support the Aussie PGA, to support the Aussie Open, Come on, Jase. Yeah, and and play in this event, so it, it will be quite significant. So that's mm. that's all I'll say on that. Um, do you have anything else on this? Because I just wanted to very quickly mention the uh, Aussie uh, Q School as well. No, I think I, th- I think it's a good conversation. I, I, as I said, I think it's just be conscious that we are right at the beginning of this, mm. and this will continue to evolve. It will shift. It will move. Um, things will appear one one way one day and, and and completely different the next. And that's to be expected. You know, that's what happens when an industry gets disrupted and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think we, when I say we, I mean the collective we of you and I, and I would suggest, you know, a great percentage of the people list this, will always have, uh, I suppose, what's best for our tour here at the front of mind. And I think that's important. Important to realise that you know, a lot of things will happen globally. It's about how it affects us here, down the down the other end of the earth. That's important. So we'll keep a close eye on that. And and I just want to give credit. Um, it's probably been a while since we put questions to the PGA Tour of Australasia and got an answer. Mm. So credit where it's due. I think mm. Josh uh, and the team doing a good job. Yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to. Uh, the the new team, you know, the new comms team in there, and Josh, and 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 obviously there, I think as well, like to to the administration, Gavin Kirkman, to those guys who I think are, are plotting a path forward that's that's really good for the game, and you know, I think it's um, it's only going to benefit the broader golfing public, which is great. Yeah, I think they've done well in the last six months, particularly with everything that's changed, and and you know, primarily in the last handful of months as well, mm. with with everything blowing up, um, they've done they've done a, a pretty good job and look, I, I still think that we, you know, the, the wax that we gave them during COVID were, were certainly warranted and, um, but for them to, to come out the other side of, of this COVID piece and, and look, I, I, it makes me feel like we're in a strong position. You know, when we had Clates on the show, he said the biggest thing that's killed our tour is the wraparound tour. That's now gone um, as of 24, obviously. But so that, that excites me that, we may be able to return to something that was more significant uh, or, or, you know, that we may be able to return to those more significant days. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And just very, very quickly, as I mentioned, KM, uh, the uh, PGA tour of Australasia Q school was uh, run and won. Uh, so shout out to DJ Loiper, who was the winner of the, um, of the the q school uh and really uh the only reason we're doing this is a shout out to uh our good man james grierson uh he got a he gets a full card which is awesome so 
um, pumped for for Greer. So shout out as well. I'll read the other guys out, which is uh, a wonderful achievement. There was, it was tight. It was very tight. There were some players who just snuck in and just missed out. So DJ Loiper, Jack Munro, Andrew Campbell, Simon Hawks, Darcy Brereton, uh, Mark Hudson, Lachlan Baker, Scott Strange, James Grierson, Blake Proverbs, Kit Biddle, Jack Carter, Ben Campbell, Jack Murdoch, and Corey Lamb. So shout out to those uh, 15 gentlemen. Uh, and a massive shout out to our man James Greason as well. Love that. Good on you, Jimmy That's G. It. Good for Jim. That wraps us up for this week. Uh, well, Monday, I should yep. say. It's a busy week. We'll be back as we are at the uh, Thursday mark of all major weeks with our official preview of the 150th Open Championship from St Andrews. Uh, we'll speak to you then.